Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is TeacherCast Podcast, episode 173. Today, we're going to be talking all about behavior and how you can help your students in the classroom. My guest today is ASCD author Brian Mendler, and he's the author of a brand new book called Discipline with Dignity, How to Build Responsibility, Relationships, and Respect in your classroom. Before we have Brian on today, I want to remind you guys there are several great ways to take part in all of our shows. You can find us on the brand new teachercast.net and check us out there on all of our iTunes, Twitter feeds. We would love to hear from you and get some feedback on how we're doing with our shows. My guest today is a certified K-12 and special education teacher. I want to welcome Brian Mendler on the show. Brian, welcome to the show. How are you today? What's up, man? It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for this. So it's cool. Cool to be on. I'm so happy to have you. I'm excited to be here. Your book is amazing. Discipline with Dignity. Um, did you did you really read it? Come on, be honest. I started to flip through it. I'll be honest to everybody and say <laughs> it came in the mail today. It's good, though. But uh, I've been flipping through it since uh, since the kids went to, to bed tonight. And and I love the idea. I love the message. Tell us a little bit about yourself and and, and how did you get to where you are today? You know, you know, what's cool about the book is it's one of those books that you can flip through and you can still get a lot out of. And those are actually my favorite books. You know, I, I struggle. So my story is an interesting one. I, um, you read what, you know, that I'm certified K-12 teacher, but I was, uh, I struggled a lot in school. I was an extremely disruptive kid back when I was in school. I was kicked out of school when I was in sixth grade, which I often joke around is, is a hard thing to do. Like, it's not easy to get yourself kicked out of public school, but, um, all of my problems in school at the time stemmed from a relatively severe learning disability. Um, I struggled with reading myself as a kid, and my reading difficulties were um, ADHD-driven. I have severe ADHD, and that literally led to me not being able to sit still for very long. And once you can't sit still very long, it's hard to read and um, focus and concentrate. And, um, and if I say all the time, if you're bad at reading in school, you're in trouble. You know, the really good readers are the ones who, who spend their whole life on the honor roll and they get all the awards and everybody always tells them how smart you are. But if you're a really good public speaker in school, like I was, you spend your whole life in trouble and it's detention. So, you know, that's where I spent a good amount of time as a kid. Now, how did you transition from being a student with ADHD to being an adult with ADHD? Yeah, I still have ADHD and it's, it's pretty severe. And, and I actually, joke all the time that the two things that I always hated when I was younger, which ADHD is one of them. And the other one that I, I have a, um, a addiction, I've been in addiction recovery, uh, December 23rd of this year will be 17 years for mm. me. And, um, and I say those two things, severe ADHD and addictive personality are the two things that drive my success today. And they were always the two things that got me in trouble as a kid. And, um, you know, I, I, ADHD makes me good at my job. You know, I'm a speaker, I'm a presenter. One of the, one of the great benefits of ADHD is the ability to see three steps ahead and anticipation and know what's coming. And, um, and, and those are all that, you know, allow me to sit down and do interviews with no notes, you know, things like that, where, you know, I, I don't really have to plan as much, I feel like, and, you know, and, and the addiction, which you didn't even, I hadn't even gotten into, but I go to meetings every week for that. And I, I've learned how to, how to, control, be in control, which I always believed in my life that, um, that, that, that I had to be the decision maker for all things. And what I've learned is giving up control is actually having control. And, um, and, and so those two things have, 
have tremendously benefited me as an adult. And that's why I say to kids all the time, like just because you're labeled something as a kid doesn't mean they can't, that can't actually fuel you and motivate you for the future. You know, I mean. So, uh, so as a teacher, how do we identify students that need a little bit more of our love and support? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, I think the the toughest ones are often the easiest ones to spot. I mean, we are, we're usually not afraid to say how we feel. You know, I, I, I often believe that, that the most challenging kids are often, often have a pretty strong leadership quality inside of them. And, you know, and, and that's the avenue that I always pick to take with my toughest kids is, is to really teach them about leadership and, and about how to, how to use their ability to influence. They often have, you know, a tough kids are often arguing their way out of things in their lives, right? So, so as a kid, you learn how to kind of get what you need. You know, people say all the time that my mouth got me in trouble and I say, right, but it got me out of a lot of trouble too. And so you learn to argue and you learn to not take no for an answer. And these are all skills that great salespeople use and, and lawyers use. And so there, there's so many skills as a kid that I learned because I struggled that I actually am able to use on a daily basis in my life today. And, and if, if, if we can show kids that, then not only, then not only can we identify the tough ones, but we can actually give them a focal point, like something that they can actually tangibly see and say, I can be successful in my life because look at all the skills that this job needs or that job needs that I actually have, you know? So it's, it's pretty cool. Well, you had mentioned all these different skills that you had picked up over the years. Are these things that you were taught or were these things that through your difficulties growing up, you had to absorb from other places? So, so in addiction recovery, you know, the, 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 the most fundamental thing that I learned in addiction recovery, and this translate, di- translates directly, not only to being a teacher, but I think to being a parent and a, and a, and a, um, you know, a friend And the most important thing that I've learned is every single time that I have a problem with someone or something in my life that I'm a big part of the cause. And see, I always believed in my life that everybody else was the problem, right? Like if I failed a class, it was the teacher's fault, or this one was stupid, or that one doesn't know what they're talking about, or, well, this one's not fair. You know, I always had a, had a story for why it wasn't me. And what I've learned in recovery is that by looking at myself first, every single time, even if I'm not really at fault, like even if I really am like, whoa, I was just sitting here and like this person lost their mind. Like, is there possible that my, my facial expression triggered them or, you know, just I have to look at me. And, and what, when I teach teachers that it's incredibly powerful because oftentimes the teachers blame the kids and the kids blame the teachers. And so everybody's blaming each other and nobody gets better. But if everybody looks to look at themselves first, then I give a little, you give a little, and there's much better chance that we can kind of meet on common ground. And um, you know, I learned and I learned another thing I tell kids often is, is if you want to change your life, you have to change your nouns. That's a big one. We learn in recovery, change your nouns to change your life. You got to change the people, the places and the things, you know, and, and, and as a teacher, we're often so focused on our content, right. And our, our math and our science and our ELA. And I'm not against that. Like I'm for that. I believe in that, but I always say people come over product, right? Math is the product. Kids are the customers really as a teacher, the goal is how do I get my customers to buy my product? Right. And with the tough kids, you can't force them. I mean, you can't force a customer to buy your car, right? You got to show them how it's in their best interest to buy the car. And, and that's often the piece that a lot of teachers miss with their toughest kids. So where do we start? Like if you're a teacher and, and we, we can even talk about new teachers, veteran teachers. Yeah. It, it, okay. It's September. 
Yeah. What do you do? Right. Cause we all look down our yeah. list and we see yeah. this person has a, a 504. This person yeah. has an IP. This person yeah. has a. Yeah. But so, so when it comes to your toughest kids though, it starts before September. I mean, that, that's the thing. It's like building relationships with kids is the most important thing. And, and you'll hear that said all the time. I mean, it's, it's almost said so often that it's become a cliche. You got to build relationships. You got to build relationships. Well, all, to all due respect to all the administrators out there, us teachers, we pretty much know we need to build relationships. You can't stand in front of us and tell us to build relationships. That's like you standing in front of me and saying, go build a house. Like, I don't know how to build a house. What goes first? What comes second? Like, oh, I have a question. Do I build this house during my normal workday or I'm supposed to build it after my workday, right? Do you get, you're going to give me extra money to build this house? Like, there's so much that goes into building anything. And so when I teach teachers to build relationships, it starts well before you have that kid, right? You got to identify the tough kids, whatever grade you're teaching, you got to look below you and be like, all right, who are the ones that might be coming up next year? And you start with them before you even have them. And what I mean by start with them is you get to know them. You go, you go, you go talk to them. You, 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 you invite them up to your class and say, Hey, little second grader, I teach fourth come on up and be a part of our fourth grade class. And you're actually going to be my assistant today. And like you, 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 you get the ball rolling well before you see that class list and you're shocked by it. Like I say all the time, one of the things that benefits teachers tremendously, look, they set us up at a huge disadvantage, right? On the, what of their job is it 25 against one on the first day, right? I mean, if that was a fight, we would get pummeled. I don't care if they're kindergartners, right? 25 against one will pummel us. So they set us up at a disadvantage. We have to try to get that advantage back. And the way to get that advantage back is to see what's coming before it comes. Nothing should really ever surprise us in a classroom. That's, that's the good news about being a teacher is almost all the things that happen with kids, especially the tough kids, are predictable. And you're able to see them from pretty far away if you're actually looking for them. But you have to be looking for them, you know? Well, I think one of the things that is difficult about being a teacher these days with all the pressures upon us, and you mentioned this in your book, and this is one of the chapters that I immediately flipped to is dealing with stress. And you give a, a, a bunch of different responses here on how to deal with stress. Could you talk about a few of the ways that a teacher can just look at this and maybe just breathe a little bit inside yeah. the situation? Yeah. Like, well, one of the things I say right off the bat is, you know, in general, the best teachers love roller coasters, right? Like you have to kind of enjoy roller coasters to be a great teacher because teaching is all about embracing the journey of the roller coaster. And what, you know, what that means is predictability will tell you you're going to have a good Monday with a tough kid and then you might have a bad Tuesday, right? And, and that's not just tough kids. That's anybody. I mean, it, anybody in the world who's ever attempted to change something about themselves, it, it's never easy the whole way. Like usually, you know, thinking of, the three that are the most common, I would say, in our society, right? Drinking, smoking, and weight loss. They seem to be the three. And anyone I know who's ever tried to quit, like they'll do good for or do well for a while, and then they, they struggle for a little while, and then they do well. It's, it's a roller coaster pattern. And I think a lot of times we go in with this mindset that, oh, I'm going to try this strategy, this new strategy, and it's just going to work completely. Like, and it's, it's an unrealistic expectation, you know? And so the first way to, 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 to avoid stress is to understand the game that you're in, like the game that we are in, right? If you look at teaching as just like a big game, the game that we're in is you're not going to have five great days in a week with your toughest kids, right? I mean, the best shooter in the NBA doesn't make every three point shot that he takes. In fact, 
You know, the best ones usually make 40 to 50% of their threes. That means they miss one out of every two times they shoot. And if, if, if they got so stressed out and deflated and defeated and sad and mad at every shot they missed, they, 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 they wouldn't even be able to play anymore because they'd be like, man, this is annoying. Why would I ever play this game? So if you can relook at success and redefine success for yourself and say, you know what, with this kid, success is the fact that he came to class every day this week. And like he came, I mean, he's got a tough home life and he struggles with this and you know what he came. And so that's all we're going to view success as this week with this kid. If you can start to do that with individual kids, then the entire thing that we're stressed about goes away. The only reason that we are stressed as educators is because we set expectations for kids. And the truth is everyone tells us to do that, right? You have to have high expectations all the time. Okay, I agree with that to an extent, but you also have to have realistic expectations. You know, like if I have an expectation right now that you're going to get up and fly away, I'm going to be sitting here disappointed for the next 10 years of my life, right? That, 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 expectation is completely impossible and it's not going to happen. So I'm for high expectations and I believe in them. I truly do. But also when you're being high, you also got to be realistic because success and confidence create each other in life. The more success we have, the more confident we become. And certain kids have never tasted success or confidence. And if we can kind of push them into that cycle then almost always, once they have one, they start to have another. It's it, you. You have four-year-olds. You said right. Mm-hmm. So, are your are your kids playing t-ball yet, or, or any kind of form of t-ball? My kids are still in diapers. Okay. So, so, but you've seen t-ball, right? So, so the, 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 the my point is the first baseball league we put kids in. It's not even baseball, right? We right. call it t-ball. We put it on a t. Why? Because we know success, right? They have to have success because that'll make them confident. Then there's graduation, which is where my six-year-old is, right? We are at the stage now where I'm daddy coach pitch, right? But I'm not trying to throw a strike. I'm literally trying to hit the bat, right? Why? Because I'm like, man, if he strikes out, he's not going to want to play, right? right? So success has to come first. And once people have success, they start to become confident. And once you're in that cycle, man, crazy good things happen. But some kids don't know what either one of them are like. So, so let's break down some of these things here, right? Because yeah. there was a lot that was just yeah. in there. And, and yeah. I can't say enough. The book is called Discipline with Dignity, yeah. How to Build Responsibility, Relationships, and Respect in Your Classroom here. Talking today to Brian Mendler. Now, Brian, it, it seems like so many people don't have the right pathway to this and let me kind of see if we can break this down as a teacher we are told this student has adhd this is how you instruct them right it seems like we're being taught whether we think about this or not we're teaching the diagnosis not teaching the student did you feel something i mean is that right is that wrong and did you feel that way growing up well well let's start with today so i feel like that is the case today for sure which is absolutely insane because it is an adhd world i mean i don't care what anyone says you are when you're done with this right you're on your phone you're, you're you're talking to your kids you're cooking dinner you're i mean we are doing six or seven things at the same time in this world almost all the time right and even if we're only doing one thing usually that one thing has six or seven components to it. So there is a, there is a solid benefit for ADHD in the world, in, in the real world that we all live in. And 
And so the first step in this is to not call it a disorder, right? It's, it's, to me, it's nuts that it's a disorder because my wife says all the time, she's like, Brian can watch a book on, or, or, or watch a football game on mute, listen to a book on tape, cook dinner and do laundry. And he knows what's going on in all four. And she's like, and I can only do one. She's like, maybe I'm the one who needs the medicine. Right? So, so let's stop there. <laughs> is she true? Is, is she right about that? Can you multitask to the nth degree? So I can multitask very well. Um, I, I can, I can, I, in fact, not only can I, but I'm usually bored doing any one thing. So the, the key is the key with ADHD is, and for the teachers, the key is it's, to, to take the, the best thing you can do is take that one thing, like try to focus them on one of those things, but then show them all the components of those things. Right. So, so you're going to read, but then that's got sentences and it's got words and it's got paragraphs and it's got adjectives and it's got adverbs and look at all the different parts of this sentence. So, Oh, we're going to keep you on the sentence, right? So you're trying to not do sentence in and math at the same time or, or writing and math at the exact same time. But within the world of writing, you show the kid all the different components. Be- the reason you do it is because ha- severe ADHD kids get frustrated very easily. And what happens now is when they get frustrated with one, they could jump to another, but at least they're jumping within the same world. Versus right. jumping from one world to another, which then exhausts the teacher because the teacher's like, wait, we're not doing math now. We're doing writing now, right? So the goal is to show the kid, well, within writing, don't worry. We're going to keep your brain going nonstop, you know? Well, what what is some of the things that we – no, no, let me – by the way, I love this topic and my, my head yeah. right now is spinning with all these yeah, things because yeah. – you know, I, well, I happen to do that to people is what people say. I, well, I talk fast too, so. Well, one of the topics <laughs> that you mentioned here is dealing with threats, punishments, and rewards. And it seems yeah. like if we, as a teacher, don't understand things, and of course, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking about my own kids, right? Yeah, you know, I don't understand how to get through to you. I'm going to say, if you don't do what I want, then I will Correct. finish the sentence on that, right? Correct. Um, does it work? Well, it depends what you consider the definition of work. I mean, if, 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 if obedience and compliance is your definition of work, then I say, yeah, sometimes it works. And, and look, there are kids out there that you can scare into doing whatever you want by, by threatening them. And if you do this or if you don't do that, but remember they have to care about what you're threatening. Right. And like a lot, if you have a kid who's got 57 detentions, the 58th, probably isn't going to make them go, whoa, I'm afraid today, right? I mean, because they didn't care about the first 57, they're probably not going to care about the 58. I don't know, I'm going out on a limb, <laughs> right? So, I mean, so, so, so th- they have to care about it, but there's just a better approach, like whether they care about it or not, or whether it works or not, like a better approach is to say, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. At what point do you think we're going to get X, Y, or Z done? Hey, why do you think that's an okay way to act? Hey, at what point in your life have you learned to talk to people that way? One of the strategies that I teach oppositional kids or, or, or teachers to work with oppositional kids is remember in the oppositional are kids who love to argue, right? And what that means is they'll argue everything. So you could say the truth, which is it's 85 degrees out. It's so beautiful. And they'll be like, no, it's not. It's gorgeous. And you're like, well, right. That's what I said. I said it was beautiful. And they're like, no, you said gorgeous and it's beautiful. And it's been like, those are, two, you said beautiful. It's gorgeous. There's like two totally different things. And they'll like take you into an argument about something that you're not even arguing. That's how much they love to argue. And so with, with those type of kids, the biggest mistake teachers make is, is they use statements, right? I said, take off your coat. I said, sit down. Hey, guys, we need to line up. 
anytime you do that, you are putting fuel on the oppositional kid, right? Statements are the fuel for oppositional defiance. Questions are the kryptonite, right? So instead of, I said, sit down, it's, hey, come here. Why do you think it's okay to stand instead of sit? Can you please explain that to me? See how I take the argument away from the kid? And that's the goal with oppositional kids. You want to take the argument away. So now they get to respond. And the, here's the goal. The ultimate goal is to get the kid to make the decision you were going to make anyway. But when they make it, they're much more likely to follow it than when you make it. But it seems like you're talking about these one-to-one situations. I, I, I've seen situations with teachers where in the middle of a class, that teacher is at wit's end because for the 175th day, that yeah. kid's only mission in class is to compromise the class, take over that right. time. And look, it's not time to yell at argue, Agreed. right? So Agreed. what, but I, what, but I, what strategy because, you're doing it again, right? No, kidding. What, what <laughs> I'm working on. It's my ADHD. What, I, I, I what strategies do you have, right? I have okay. to teach this class. I have to get to the end of the lesson. You are making it a mission for your life to not allow this to happen. Okay. Because, but, but here's why I have to jump in because Please. you're saying I have to get to the end of this lesson. And I'm sitting here saying, no, you have to teach kids. You have to teach the kids that are in front of you. And People come before product. Kids become before content. Listen, understand, every teacher in America kicks something out of class every day. Do you kick out the kid because they get in the way of the math? Or do you kick out the math because it's in the way of the kids, right? So what I mean by that is there are times a teacher's trying to teach math and there are kids that are being inappropriate. So the teacher's like, see you later, kid. I'm trying to teach math. But if you're there to teach kids, right, and now a kid's being inappropriate, What I do is I say, you know what, guys, we're going to put this math aside right now because I feel like there are people in this class right now here that don't know how to talk appropriately about something that they don't like. So let's discuss this right now. Let's talk about X, Y, or Z. And and one one other thing, I I, I do not believe that that kid is coming in at class every single day with their mission to be to drive the teacher crazy. I believe they are coming in with their mission to be to get attention. See, attention is really the problem. The kid calling out inappropriately is the solution to his problem. You understand what I'm saying? But you it's can't. Like, but every single class period, you can't put math aside. But to they don't have, have conversation. to. But the thing is, they don't have to do that every class period because because when I go to schools, the the, the ones we're talking about in a in a given class, there's five percent total in a in an entire grade, or ten percent at the most, that are really tough kids. So most classes are not this way. The reason you can do this is because you don't have to do it with all of them. You know, when I start my workshop, every time I always start the same way, right? I say to the audience, I say, I have a quick question. How many of you in this class or how many of you here today yourselves were challenging, disruptive or unmotivated back when you were in school, right? That's the first question I ask, right? And so what would you guess the answer be percentage wise of teachers in a room? Like percentage-wise, how many do you think were actually disruptive in a regular school? What percent would you guess? 10. Right. That's about what it is. 10%. So my point is it's never more than 10% in its school as teachers, right? I read, I read the book. I read the book, <laughs> I know. Right. But it, 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 it's, it's never more than that. But what that shows you is, first of all, it shows you most teachers in a school are thinking from the perspective of the quote-unquote, I'm just using this word, good kid, right? Mm-hmm. They're, 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 they're thinking from that perspective. And so- Only 10% of the people are thinking from the other perspective. It also shows me that in most schools, 
in life, it's never more than 10% of people. So that's good for teachers because it means, so might you have, as a teacher have to spend extra time? Yeah, you might. When I say, when it sounds like some of this is one-on-one, darn right some of this is one-on-one. Yeah. I mean, look, these kids are already tearing up their class, right? So spending an extra five minutes or 10 minutes during your lunch or during your free time or, 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 you know, I got a, I got a question recently from a teacher who, who right at a workshop, she came up to me. She said, I had this kid who suspended. He was gone for five days and he's coming back tomorrow. What do I do? Right. And my answer to her was, okay, like I can help you with that. But here's my question. What did you do? Like, what did you do while he was suspended? Did you call him and say, Hey man, I know you're suspended, but I wish you weren't. You're an important part of my class and I'll miss you while you're gone. If you don't want to be even further behind when you come back, maybe I'll even bring work to your house. If your parent or guardian is home, I might even stay and help you do it. If not, no big deal. Just want to let know how much I care about you. Have a good day. Click 30 seconds. That phone call, I've timed it, literally takes 30 seconds. Yet, if you don't, look, and I'm not saying you have to make that phone call. I'm just saying the kid has to believe that you care, right? They got to, and it's, it's, it's about going out of our way to show we care. Anybody, everybody in the world is there for people when things are good. Who can't do that, right? I mean, 250 people show up for the wedding. How many of them same 250 can't come for the divorce, right? I mean, everybody's there when things are good. You make your money in life with people when things are bad. And see, the tough kids, you got to earn your stuff with them that you got to show them that you're willing to, to talk to them about their home life and, and help them through horrible situations, even though, quote unquote, that's not your job. I get it for a lot of teachers, right? It's not exactly your job description, but look, you want to reach kids no one else can reach. You got to do things no one else is willing to do. That's what it, that's what it takes, not just for reaching kids, but for anything in the world, right? Well, we talked about the responsibility of having these students in your class and what to do with yeah. them. We talked about building the relationships and you've kind of been putting the, the words together, but haven't said the last one in your title here, but respect, right? Like you're, what yeah. you're really talking about is respecting the kid, making Always. sure that, that, you know, again, teach the kid, not the subject. Correct. And, and do I say, hopefully the respect comes back to you or do we say it should because here's the thing how about this how about you stop caring about it like who cares if the kids respect you or not like what i mean who needs that like i mean i i'm not i don't show up every day because i need a bunch of 10 year olds or 11 year olds to respect me right like respect is something that is earned it cannot be forced right you can't imagine if i got on here tonight and i was like you all will respect me because i've written these books and i've done this not They'd be like, dude, who are you? Like, what are you talking about? Just like do your thing. And if you're good, we'll respect you. And if you're not, you, we won't. Right. So as a teacher, like I'm not showing up every day to get respect. I'm showing up to be great and dynamic and care about you more than anything and be vulnerable. Right. That's another thing. Look at what I did on here. Right. I mean, I told everybody in your audience, which is a lot of people. Right. I'm, I was I was in trouble as a kid. I'm, I'm in addiction recovery. I, I take medication for my severe ADHD. I mean, all of those things are what hook people to me, right? As when I was young, I was afraid to like talk about who I was. And, 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 and what I, what I often say to people at my workshops, and I don't mean this at all disrespectfully, but what I say is, you know, in a, in an hour spent with me, you often know more about me then many of your students know about you guys and you've been working with them for seven months for seven. I mean, and I don't mean it in a bad way. I'm just saying what it takes to get to the toughest kids is a willingness 
to say, guys, man, here's all the struggles I've had. I laid them right on the table for you. And, and next thing you know, those kids will come right up to you. Hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me with that? And once they see you're willing to help them with anything, you could teach them anything you want, anything you want. Tough kids follow people. They decide for this one, I'm going to work. For this one, I'm not. I used to do it. I remember being in high school and uh, we had this teacher sixth period. I'll never forget her. And there was a kid in our class and they, I was always the kid who would be disruptive. So they would say, yo, Brian, do this, do this, do this. And I remember saying, no, 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 wait till sixth period, man. That lady gets pissed. Trust me. She gets, that lady right now, she doesn't even ever get mad. What's the point of doing it in her class? And so my point is we knew which buttons we could push and which ones, which ones we couldn't, you know, in sports, they call it mental toughness, you know? And I think I say in my books, the single most important component to being a great teacher with the toughest kids, that's what we're talking about. The 10% is, is, is being mentally strong and saying, you know what, this kid called me a name. So what? Like my parents taught me to be respectful of people, whether they're respectful of me or not. Right. And so Respect is not a contingent thing, I don't believe, as a teacher. I believe we give respect to kids whether they give it or not. And the hardest thing to do in the whole world is to be respectful to a person who's being disrespectful back. But man, if we're able to do it, what an incredible teaching, what, a, what an incredible teachable moment that is for all the other kids in the class as well, you know? You got me all hyped up over here. It's good. I like it. No, I love it. I, I, I one more topic for you. I don't know. Um, if there's an easier way to hit this, but I want to kind of wrap up today by talking about how you wrote this book. And I'm looking here at the authors and two of the authors have something in common. Can you <laughs> talk to us a little bit about your co-authors on this book? Yeah. So, you know, to just give a little, a little, um, sort of background on this. So my father was a social studies teacher and a school psychologist. Right. And when I was a kid, I have an older brother who's one year older than me. My mother's an educator. I look, I'm one of those, and I say that all the time. I don't know if you're going to call it rare, but relatively rare, disruptive, difficult kids who struggled in school with a great home life, right? Like I had two great parents. I had, you know, they would help, they would try to, but what happened was my father was, was working as a school psychologist and he was very frustrated because he, in his mind, he, he would always feel like he was playing uh, ping pong between a teacher and a kid, right? Like he was in the middle. He was the net between kids and teachers. And he would say all the time, like to teachers, he would say, hey, if you just talk to the kid like this instead of like that, it'll have a huge impact on the kid. And he often felt like it was he was frustrated because he couldn't get either side to change. So what he did was he started writing everything down that he would do in a perfect world. He called it in a perfect world. He said, here's what I would do. This was years ago when I was a kid. And um, and he got done and he had like kind of like a manuscript and he had a friend that was just starting off at the time as ASCD. And he sent it to him just to read and they really liked it. And they retitled the title from in a perfect world to discipline with dignity. And now the book that you've, you've promoted and talked about that we're talking about is the fourth edition of this now. So the first two editions were my dad and Dr. Rick Kerwin, who are both my co-authors and my partners. And the first two editions were all them. The first one was complete. I mean, I was a, a kid and actually a lot of that book was written with me in mind, he, he didn't really mention me, but he, I joke that he owes me royalties because a lot of the strategies that he gives to kit to gave the teachers and the, the, the thought process of, you know, that, that, like I said earlier, that calling 
teacher's names isn't the problem. It's the solution to the problem. The real problem is for attention. And if you focus on attention, you'll actually fix the kit. Like that was all novel, really novel. At the time, it was all tickets and stickers and name on the board and check marks after the name. That was how you handled all discipline. And my father, that was happening to me in school. And he he saw how it was not working. Like I just, I was, I didn't care. I just didn't care. Like, go ahead. What are you going to do? I loved, I remember being an in-school suspension as a kid. I loved it because I got to come to school and I didn't have to go to class. Like, and half the time in the, in the schools, the ISS teacher is the coolest person in the school. So like you, that, I, that was never a consequence for me. Like that was great for me, you know? And anyway, so, um, so then I, did not want to be a teacher, but my parents, I, I, I struggled all the way. I got through school, right? Got through, went on medication, got an addiction recovery, kind of really. And I, I played the game, right? And I got through college and I was lost for a little while in my life. And my mother would always say I should be a teacher. And I never wanted to be one and because um, I hated school. And I said, would say that. I would say that to my mom. And she would, and finally my mom got me. She said, you, don't, you shouldn't be a teacher. You should go back to school to work with kids that were like you. And that all of a sudden got me to go, what? Like, what do you mean? And, and I didn't realize that there was like a job where you could go work with the hardest kids. And, um, and so when I went for my master's degree, they said, what do you want to get it? And I said, I don't know, whichever one I need to work with the worst kids in the school. And they said special ed. So I said, okay, I'll take it. Like I was at a restaurant, you know, I'll take that one. And, um, and when I went back for my master's, I was on medication. I, I was on ADHD medication, which dramatically changed me and any teacher who's ever seen a kid go from not on meds to on meds understands what the what the impact is you know and and um it was huge for me it was huge I could all of a sudden concentrate and pay attention and I started to really enjoy school and and then I got done and I I was ready to be a teacher and I had my first job interview and in the in the it was nepotism being honest right the only reason I got interviewed was my mother had a friend who was a principal at a school and they had already hired someone for a self-contained special ed job. My mother said, well, will you just interview Brian so he could get some experience? And the guy said, yeah. And I went in and he said, why should I hire you? And I said, I don't know. You probably shouldn't. And he said, what? And I said, I, I don't really know how to be a teacher. I don't even really want to be a teacher. But I'll tell you this, any kid in this school that nobody else wants, they can, you can put them in my class and I'll take them, and I'll teach them, and I'll be excited to teach them. And he, I swear, I'm not kidding when I tell you, he looked at me like I had seven heads, right? Like he was like, who, what's wrong with this guy? And then he called me about two hours later, and he said, we're going to hire you. And I said, I thought you already hired someone. He said, we did. And then he gave me every one of those kids. And I'm not kidding, and I almost quit. <laughs> I almost quit. I mean, I, I had kids, you don't even know, I'm talking, I, I had a kid named who used to run, do full sprints through my room, and he would do a, he would dive head first out the window. I'm, I'm, I'm being dead serious. Like it was pure insanity, but I, you know, I just, I started teaching manners and please and thank you and, and hi, nice to meet you. And Hey, here's how you greet someone. And, you know, I would never, when a kid would put their head down on their desk, I would never tell them to pick it up because it was disrespectful to me. I would tell them to pick it up because if you don't hold your head high in the world, why would anyone else think positively of you? Right. This isn't about me. I don't care if you put your head down or not. Right. Like if you as a teacher, if you believe that kids have to be looking at you to learn, then you don't believe blind people can learn. Like who cares if kids look at you? They don't have to look at you to be learning. They can be listening. But my thing was hold your head up high, man, because be proud of yourself. Like like even if you've been abused or you've been hurt or you've been in tough situations in your life, like look at you're here today, man, and walk in like like like. Like you, like you care about being in the world, you know, and, and I would 
do that. I would teach the kids that. And I would say, come on, man, lift your chin up, like act happy, even when you're pissed, like, you know, and all these little skills to be successful that are like, you know, I said earlier, playing the game, you know, I mean, I, I used to teach, I don't know. I mean, if you want to hear all these stories, I used to teach a survival skills class, right? So it was not about how to, how to hit, be in the wilderness. I don't know how to do that. Right. I, I love to go camping if there's a Hilton at the end of the trail, but but yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the extent of the camping I do. But survival skills, what would happen was I was teaching special ed self-contained and these kids from all over the school would come and complain to me about all the teachers that they hated, right? So they'd say, I got Mr. Such and Such. I can't stand him. I got this one. So I was like, all right, I'm going to teach you guys how to survive in teachers' classes that you hate. And I brought them in. It was 20 minutes, Monday, Wednesday, after school from 3 to 3.20. And I would teach them. I would say, listen. The only requirement for being in this class is you got to make, want to make a ton of money in your life. Anyone want to get rich? And they were like, yeah, heck yeah, we want to get rich. And I'd say, great. What are all the jobs you could get rich at in the world? And they would start yelling out athlete, musician, rapper. I'd wait till somebody said actor, right? The minute they said actor, I'd say, all right, who's your favorite actor? I'd wait till they got to one I knew, right? Denzel Washington, remember the Titans? Oh, perfect. I mean, you watch that movie. He actually got you to believe he was a football coach, right? I mean, let's be clear, that dude never coached a down of football in his entire life until that movie. But he got you to believe he was one. Well, they don't pay you $27 million a movie unless you, they, you can make a person believe you're something that you're not. So your first job is to act like you like that teacher that you hate. right? And then the kids be like, but we hate her, Mr. Mendler. And I'd say, I know, we already established that. But I thought you wanted to get rich. I already said, if you don't want to get rich, you don't have to be in this class. You know, and so they'd all be like, no, no, we want to get rich. And I'd say, okay, like, here's what you do. On Monday mornings, walk up to her and you say two words, good morning, that's it. And then you sit down, you don't speak the rest of that class. And they'd be like, well, what if she calls on me? And I'd say, don't worry, she won't call on you, I promise. But here's what you got to do. Twice during that class, when she looks at you, twice, she's going to make eye contact with you. You don't have to say a word. You just have to look her in the eyes and go like this. You just got to smile and nod, yes, because us teachers, see, we love the kids who smile and nod. It makes us feel good about ourselves, right? And so they got to start playing the game, you know? And the last thing I would teach them is on Thursdays. So Mondays is good morning. Every day is nod and, and, and smile. And then on Thursdays when class is over, they got to walk up to the teacher that they hate. We know you hate the, the teacher and say, uh, look them in the eyes and say, I learned something today. Thanks. And then they got to get out of there fast. And I tell them, cause if you stick around, she might ask you what you learned and we don't want that happening because you might not have learned anything. But, but like you, these are, these are skills you could do with teachers that will get them to say, well, now you're bordering, right? 64, 65, 64, 65. All of us, human nature says, you know what? That kid, he smiles and nods like this. Yep. I'm giving him a 65 versus that one. No, man, she's got her head down all class. I'm giving her a 64. And like, these are all little skills that can level the playing field for kids who aren't as academically gifted. They got to learn the other angles that there are in school and in life, right, to be successful. And, and, and I used to teach them, but that's not in the curriculum in schools. It should be, but it's not. That's what we do. Brian, these stories are awesome. I could let you go forever on these stories because I, I, I mean, do my own podcast. Cause, cause, right? Well, I mean, hey, you're always welcome to come back on. I mean, I'm listening to everything that, that you're saying from a student's point of view, from a teacher's point of view, from a a father's point of view, and just I'm look. Where can we go to find out more about the great things you're doing? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I, you can even see right here, right? I'm wearing this. Be different. Great at what great educators do differently. If you go on Twitter, you know, I'm. Uh, I, I love that. And, and you can learn from me there. Um, and, and I can learn from you there, which is, is the best thing about that. And it's all free. 
uh, Instagram, Facebook are all good. Um, and then anywhere online, the teacher learning center is my company. I'm a, I'm a part owner in that company. And, um, you know, we got a website, TLC, and then a hyphen, and then SEMS.com. There's videos on YouTube. I mean, you know, it, it, it's all over. And, and, and you know, I, I do everything. I do regional seminars. I, I do seminars at schools. I'm going to Lackawanna, New York tomorrow. I know you shouldn't, I said I shouldn't say tomorrow or yesterday, but, you know, that's happening tomorrow. And, it, uh, you know, so it's, you name it. Everybody's got tough kids. It's a, it's, you know, I hate to say it, but it's a, it's a good business to be good at because it's, whether you teach at a private Catholic school or you teach at a hardcore, you know, public school or everything in between, everybody's got what they perceive at least to be challenging kids. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it's all over and you can find me everywhere. And I love it. You can see, like, I'm, I'm very passionate about it because, um, you know, I was a kid that struggled and having the right people around me really helped make a difference. And I, I know if you save one, even if you don't save 10 others, but if you save one, if everybody in that school saves one, that's 50, 60 kids that make our community a better place, you know, and, and that can be a cool thing. Brian, I want to say thank you so much for your no time problem, today. Man. Of course, you can find Brian on Twitter at Brian Mendler, M-E-N-D-L-E-R. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure, man. Take care, and hopefully I'll catch up with you soon. And, of course, we want to say thank you out there to checking out this show. There's been a lot of great things happening here in TeacherCast. Of course, we recently launched our brand-new web design. You can, of course, go over to TeacherCast.net, check out all of our shows, all of our great content. Before leaving today, we want to say a big thank you to our friends over at ASCD who have been working with us um, consistently here to bring you some great content here. So thank you to our friends over at ASCD. You can check them out over at ASCD.org. There's, of course, several places you can reach out and talk to TeacherCast. Find us on Twitter at TeacherCast and leave us a voicemail over at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. We want to hear from you. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out and share your story with us. My name is Jeff Bradbury here on behalf of everybody on the TeacherCast Educational Network. Keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students.